0: Fomey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy... No them. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Whenever you hear the word impeachment, I want you to substitute another word, coup. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone! Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update for you here on social media. Thanks for joining us during this ongoing constitutional crisis. No, it never ended, and didn't end with impeachment. In fact, it's continuing, and I'll talk to you about the ongoing coup against the President of the United States. Uh, plus, we have really shocking new documents on the Clinton email scandal that show. Uh, in dramatic fashion, the sham nature of the investigation into her email misconduct. And on top of it all, the deep state is still protecting the coup cabal. Uh, The CIA and the Justice Department sent us extraordinary letters that deny us access to virtually any information they might have on the alleged whistleblower behind the the impeachment coup targeting President Trump. Uh, So there's a lot to cover today. Uh, first up, of course, is the uh, big news this week related to Roger Stone, who was uh, finally uh, sentenced uh, this week by Joe Jamie Berman Jackson, who is an Obama appointee here in the District Court for the District of Columbia. The courthouse is just down the street there uh, from Judicial Watch. And uh, he was sentenced to uh, just under four years, three years and change, about 40 months, Uh, which further confirms that the Mueller operatives who were trying to abuse the process by uh, pushing for a recommendation of uh, seven to nine years were wrong and that Attorney General Barr was right to intervene. He probably should have intervened more severely and strongly. And uh, the president himself was right that it was a miscarriage of justice that he would go uh, go away for seven to nine years. Uh, So uh, the judge had her hearing, uh, and it was full, she's she's no friend of President Trump, it's pretty clear, and it was full of political statements and uh, drama about how terrible a person Roger Stone was. Uh, But the fact is one of the charges, the charge on uh, witness tampering, probably should never have been brought because you have the Justice Department suggesting that the victim of the witness tampering uh, didn't think it was serious, uh, but uh, somehow uh, and, and therefore it really shouldn't count too much against Stone in terms of any potential sentence beyond the base sentence he would get. But if that were the case, why was the charge brought at all if it wasn't serious? It shows you there's two concepts of justice in this town. You target Trump and his allies and you protect those who were trying to take him out, or those perceived as on the right side of history in terms of opposing President Trump. And I'm thinking of James Comey and Andrew McCabe most specifically and most recently. Uh, So you had uh, this over-the-top, throw-the-book approach at Roger Stone and allies of President Trump, Uh, but as I've been saying, people like Andrew McCabe, who lied both under oath and not under oath to federal investigators and the FBI, I think all of which would be criminal, uh, they, the Justice Department has refused to prosecute. So in many ways, the sentencing of Roger Stone was just in the sense that it was less than the Mueller operatives behind the initial recommendation of seven to nine years wanted. The judge rejected that. The judge rejected it. It's not just President Trump who thought it was too much. Wasn't just Attorney General Barr thought it was too much, but the Obama-appointed judge thought it was too much as well. Uh, but despite that, uh, she, uh, the judge, had to make political statements. At one point she said, and I took note of, that uh, he was not being, uh, excuse me, uh, Roger Stone was not being prosecuted or targeted because he stood up for the president, but because he covered up for the president. You know that's just frankly a political statement, and and it wrongly suggests that the president was involved somehow in this, when in fact there's no evidence of that at all. So if I were the president, I would take a look at this and I would see, because because he's the president, he's supposed to take a broader look at the justice system. He's responsible for the full operations of the Justice Department. We're the ones who vote for him to do the work. We don't vote for bureaucrats in the Justice Department. Uh, And uh, it's up to the president to take a look to see how all of these investigations have been handled and and figure out if people's confidence in the fair administration of justice has been hampered and undermined. And if it has been, how is it he fixes it? And I would suggest one way to fix it, besides making sure that the Justice Department finally does its job and prosecutes the in-your-face criminality behind the illicit targeting of him, that he also balances uh, these issues by pardoning or commuting the sentences of individuals who are already convicted who were caught up in Mueller's web uh, or the subsequent uh, DOJ investigations that began largely under Mueller. Uh, many of these people would never have been prosecuted but for the relationship to pr- President Trump. Given the other misconduct that's been uh, documented by not only the Justice Department, uh, within the Justice Department and the FBI, but also the compromised and biased Mueller operation. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't trust anything Mueller's done. If I were the attorney general, I know he's brought in outsiders to look at the Flynn prosecution. I'm not even sure what they're doing there. The outsiders in a sense he assigned a U.S. attorney reportedly to investigate some of uh, the concerns about how Flynn's case was handled. He should be doing that more broadly everything Mueller did uh, should be audited by the attorney general of the united states and rather than complaining about the president's tweets he should be focused on the corruption within his own justice department and i think it's interesting this week that the president uh tweeted yours truly and judicial watch out i think 11 times in one day and he was tweeting out our update he was tweeting out. Uh, uh, my uh, Judicial Watch appearances on Lou Dobbs, where I was talking about the need to clean house at the Justice Department. And, of course, the media went into a tizzy over this because, you know, I guess Attorney General Barr had said the president shouldn't be tweeting anymore. Well, the president obviously disagrees, and he feels the need to educate the American people about the corruption issues at the Justice Department and the miscarriages of justice, certainly as uh, directed at Roger Stone. You know, I was uh, talking to some folks about this, and someone suggested maybe the president should say to the Justice Department, you know what, I'll stop tweeting when you start prosecuting. That might be a good compromise. But the idea that the president can't be making public comments about in-your-face corruption at the Justice Department is, it just blows the mind. And I'm glad to see the president also tweeted out instances that I highlighted in my tweets of prior presidents, exercising their constitutional prerogatives over the Justice Department. The president runs the Justice Department. He's responsible for it. I understand the attorney general uh, runs it on a day to day basis, but he reports to the president. And I see the New York Times today had an op-ed piece uh, from a leftist pushing now for independence of the Justice Department which would be a constitutional abomination, because the left—and it just lifts the veil—they don't want the Justice Department, run by them, Democrat left-wing partisans, to be answerable to anyone, certainly not anyone elected by the people of the United States. They want to be able to spy on a candidate. They want to be able to intimidate witnesses and people caught up and close to the candidate to get to the turn by threatening their families. They want to be able to leak classified information to upend a presidency or affect an election. They want to be able to pay people to spy on a presidential campaign without basis simply because they want to protect the candidate of their choice. They don't want accountability. That's the way they've been operating, and so when you see the New York Times publish an op-ed suggesting the Justice Department be independent, that's been their attitude all along, and it's unconstitutional and anti-Republican in the small-r sense of the word. We have a republic based on the rule of law, but it's a constitutional republic in the sense that the American people, in the end, run the show. Not the deep state bureaucrats. So, uh, sure enough, as I was saying at the beginning, we've got the the Justice Department, and, and in my view, this whole the way this whole Stone case was uh, handled was designed to be a slap at the president. It was designed to show, uh, give give the uh, those who support Mueller's sham investigation, abusive investigation. Oh, that he got another conviction. And a slap at the president after he's acquitted at trial uh, in the impeachment farce. And again, I don't understand why Tenor General Barr is focusing on the president's tweets as opposed to the fact he had four prosecutors, according to reports, try to extort well, actually successfully extort uh, the initial recommendation, the initial approval of the recommendation for seven to nine years. What did they do? They said, you you push this in. They told their acting boss at the time, you push this in or otherwise we're going to pull out and make a mess of it. Well, he caved. I think that's more concerning. Now this week, to show you that it's all a distraction, Uh, This week, we have uh, further documentation that the deep state is continuing to misuse our intelligence agencies to try to destroy President Trump, obviously in alliance with their friends in Congress, namely Adam Schiff. There were reports that there was some type of briefing to uh, top leaders of Congress that included Schiff on intelligence matters, saying the Russians wanted to help Trump. Now, there have been variations as to what actually was said and what the intelligence actually shows. And uh, I'm not going to give it the time of day because I don't think any of it is believable. And as I warned you, it's not just about President Trump. It's about anyone that the establishment doesn't want to be in power. And that and that person particularly is Bernie Sanders. They're horrified uh, that uh, this uh, this, uh anti-establishment and I don't think much of Sanders policy proposals. They're a little too communist for my taste. So rather than play by the rules and just defeat him at the polls, we get a leak. Just as I'm going to air today, there's a leak that the Russians want to also want to help Bernie Sanders. So how does that work? The Russians want to help President Trump and President Trump's opponent. What is the theory? The theme here is let's leak classified information to try to undermine candidates for public office, and specifically President Trump, and of course even Bernie Sanders is being targeted. On behalf of whom? I don't know. Joe Biden, you know, that would explain a lot given the criminal corruption to try to protect him from uh, his uh, the consequences of the Ukraine scandal he and his son were embroiled in. Trump is still being targeted. That's for sure. And the left is in a is going in an uproar because he's acting he appointed as acting director to Richard Grinnell, the ambassador to Germany as acting director of the Office of National Intelligence which has been a deep state bastion for some time. And his deputy is supposedly is going to be cash Patel. Now, Mr. Patel had helped Evan Nunes on the intelligence committee expose the FISA gate criminality targeting Trump and other abuses targeting him and other Americans. Remember the unmaskings, which we still don't have information on. So they're very, they're very frightened that they, they might have an effective leader, even in an acting capacity and someone who knows. How corrupt the intelligence agencies are running the Office of Director of National Intelligence, even for a period of time. The more the media scream about particular issues, the more uh, that, or particular issues that, or particular approaches that President Trump takes, that's a pretty good indication he's doing the right thing. For instance, when he tweeted me out, when he tweeted Judicial Watch out, They went crazy. NBC News was putting my tweets uh, on on the front page on their uh, uh, on their national news program. Washington Post, New York Times, saying the president is ignoring Barr's demands that he stop tweeting. And what I loved about it is, and 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 the president I think is smart about this is he's educating Americans when he, when he retweets Judicial Watch and me. Because our tweets are educational. They tell people about issues that they otherwise may not know about. Of course the deep state gets upset when the president tweets something. For instance, I said Barr needs to clean house at the DOJ. Well, who would object to that other than the corrupt deep staters that are running it now? Isn't it fantastic the president tweeted it? And isn't it fantastic that the media got so outraged about it that they actually reported it out further? They don't even know what they're doing. In trying to controversialize the president educating Americans about government corruption, they backed themselves into actually educating more Americans about government corruption. So, uh, so that was great. It was great that the president uh, tweeted out our material this week uh, because it allows so many more Americans to find out about the essential work we do, which is as important as anything else going on in Washington, D.C. So the coup continues. You've got Adam Schiff involved, it looks like in Russia leaks, targeting Trump again. Nothing's changed. Even Bernie Sanders is now being targeted for the deep state because he's too extreme for them with illegal leaks, it looks like. You have the Justice Department and uh, the federal judiciary screaming about President Trump. What was really outrageous this week, you had the—I forget the name of the uh, organization. Let's say it's an association of federal judges— So it's not a a government operation. It's a voluntary association of federal judges. And they were going to hold, it was announced their leadership was going to hold an emergency meeting about President Trump because I guess he dared to criticize the federal judiciary or particular judges or dared to criticize the actions of the Justice Department. Now, by all accounts, it looked like this emergency meeting was gonna be nothing more than a political meeting. And if that were the case, judges participating in that would be probably in violations of basic ethics, ethics norms that govern the federal judiciary. Yeah, they have ethics rules for the federal judiciary, as you might imagine. Well, th- well, they, someone got smart over there and supposedly they canceled the emergency meeting. The only emergency that our federal judges need to be worried about is that the FBI and the Justice Department used the judiciary to illegally spy on American citizens, and the judiciary has yet to do anything substantive about it. The only thing that's happened thus far is that the FBI has instituted new training, and the Justice Department is trying to figure out if there's any fruit of the poison tree they used that needs to be sequestered. Meaning the illegal FISA warrants they used, if they gathered information, was that information used for other cases, where is it, what is it, and they need to report to the courts on it soon. Nothing about criminal activity being pursued. The court, for instance, could hold these, uh, the FBI, um, they could bring in the FBI and Justice Department and start holding people in criminal contempt. If I were running the Justice Department and I had found out this criminal activity took place in my agency, if I were running the FBI and I found out this criminal activity took place in my agency, I wouldn't have Durham out there doing a report. I don't know what Durham's doing. I'd be going to the court and say, you know what? It looks like there's some criminal activity that took place before your court. Tell us what you want us to do. We're putting our head on a block. Tell us what you want to do in terms of holding us accountable for this criminal activity, both as agencies and um, in terms of the individuals responsible within our agencies. But that's not what's happening. Instead, you hear talk of Pfizer reform. The best Pfizer reform would, to put people, would be to put people in jail who violated the law to spy on Trump and other innocent Americans, Carter Page specifically. And I tell you what, I read this Russia story, these Russia stories, I wonder if they're still spying on Trump. I don't know for a fact that's happening, but I, given the corruption endemic throughout the intelligence establishment targeting Trump, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. wouldn't surprise me in the least. So, as you know, Judicial Watch isn't just out there talking. You know, I'm talking a little bit about this, but we've sued for the stone records, specifically about the raid. Remember that outrageous raid early in the morning that somehow CNN was able to figure out had um, was about to take place and they had cameras there? How did that happen? So we asked for records about their communications concerning the raid, and they've given us virtually nothing. It's interesting what the Justice Department gets outraged about. We've got the president's tweets it's outraged about, But the leak on the raid, they're covering up. Or any information about the raid, they're covering up. In the Stone case, for instance, we had information that a juror or jurors may have lied to get on the jury in Stone. And they were anti-Trumpers, and they may have lied about the scope and and, um, their specific knowledge of some of the issues involved here. I haven't heard the Justice Department complain about that yet. Instead, I heard them say that the Stone prosecution was a righteous prosecution. A righteous prosecution. Do you think it was righteous? In light of all the facts and circumstances I've laid out for you? Well, this Justice Department thinks it is. They should be running away from these prosecutions. They should be freezing them. They should presume corruption given everything that's going on, instead they're defending them and and continuing to push them. president's right to be frustrated. So as I said, you know, we're doing the lawsuits. We've got document requests on virtually everything that you care about as it relates to Spygate. Dozens of lawsuits, uh, probably hundreds of Freedom of Information Act requests. And uh, one of the key issues is accountability for the coup that took place a minute and a half ago. We're all supposed to forget that, right? We're all supposed to move on from the corruption in the House, the abuse of the Senate, the attack on your right to self-government, the attacks on the civil rights of the President of the United States, the civil rights of his lawyers, the civil rights of journalists, the civil rights of members of Congress. We're all supposed to forget that, right? Just move on, talk about the primary. or or debates, whatever the latest flavor of the day is. Well, you can see the president hasn't forgotten about it. He's still concerned about corruption and nor has Judicial Watch forgotten about it. We've we've got the lawsuits ongoing. For instance, we have sued for records about the alleged whistleblower whose name I'm not allowed to say, because if I were to say it on this video and it wasn't edited out, it would be taken off by YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. So you know who the name of the alleged whistleblower is. Now, I don't know for sure he's the alleged whistleblower, but I do know, based on public reports, is that he was assigned to the White House for the CIA during both the Obama and Trump administrations. We looked at the visitor logs that were available, at least from the Obama administration time, and saw that he was involved with some of the same bad actors who were behind the Ukraine assault on President Trump. So we've asked for records about his involvement with the State Department, Stonewall. We've also asked for records about his involvement with the Justice Department and FBI, because his name, surprise, surprise, shows up as it relates to Russiagate. I think it shows up in the Mueller report. And as a CIA guy, we sued, well, we asked the CIA for documents, we got the hand to the face. I call it the proverbial hand to the face we always get from government agencies. So we had to sue. And what is the response we get? We get two extraordinary letters from the CIA and the FBI. I call them Glomar responses. Well, I, it, it, they're, Glomar is a kind of a FOIA nerd term for uh, they can't confirm or deny the existence of the records. And in doing so, they say it doesn't mean that the records necessarily exist, but to deny or confirm the existence of the records would somehow harm national security or specifically, in the case of this employee, his personal privacy. Yes, this Justice Department and this CIA are defending this person's personal privacy by refusing to confirm or deny the existence of records. And why is it called GLOMAR? I'm going, from what I recall, there was a I think a sunk Russian ship or submarine and there was a uh, a vessel that the CIA had—I think it was called the Glomar Explorer—and so they were trying to gather some intelligence or or try to uh, probe the wreckage. And I think a media person had gotten hold of it and wanted information, and so uh, they they came up with the solution. They can't confirm or deny the existence of the operation, and you can understand from a if there was significant national intelligence, national security implications here, you can understand why they're saying they can't confirm or deny the existence of the operation. Because confirming it tells someone something and denying it tells someone something. And if that someone is a a antagonistic foreign government, I mean, it's fair to say you don't want that happening. And the big case was Glomar, and that was the shorthand for the case. So when I say there's a Glomar response, I want you all to remember it means you can't, they can't confirm or deny the existence of the records. But when you have a name that's been out there in the news, has been public in terms of its involvement, his involvement in the Mueller report, everyone knows he worked for the CIA, everyone knows he was assigned to the White House, to have the CIA tell you they can't confirm, and this is what the response is, in accordance with Section 3.6A of Executive Order 13526, the CIA can neither confirm nor deny the existence or non existence of records responsive to our requests. The fact of the existence or non existence of such records is itself exempt from FOIA under Exemption B3 and Section 6 of the CIA Act of 1949. And to the extent your request could relate to CIA intelligence sources and methods information, the factor of the existence or nonexistence of all such records is exempt from FOIA. This completes our response to the above reference cases. Justice Department, similar response, but they also say that you can't have them because the release of them could reasonably be expected to constitute an unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of a third party. Because we had asked for records of this guy's contacts with uh, uh, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, you know, the the usual suspects over at the Obama FBI. So now they're protecting the personal privacy of this guy. Which is powerful, of the course from the Justice Department. They tried to protect the personal privacy of Christopher Steele, the Clinton spy, believe it or not. We've had two courts push back on that scheme and scam by the FBI and Justice Department to protect quote, the personal privacy. They're using the, the excuse of protecting their personal privacy to keep records away from us about Christopher Steele. They wanted to hide all those records or not all of them but a good part of them. And now they're doing it for the guy who may be behind an effort to overthrow the President of the United States. And I'd like to know where the Justice Department is on this because I think this person ought to be investigated. Why? Because I don't think he had uh, reasonable, uh, he had no, uh, based on the information out there, there's an open question as to whether he should have had access to the phone call, which was classified at the time. Colonel Vindman, who was kicked out of the White House, finally, and he and his brother, it looks like he gave this call content to his ally in the CIA, and if it was done for any reason other than need to know, then it would have been a crime, and the Justice Department ought to be investigating that. How that call was handled, and certainly the communications between the whistleblower and Adam Schiff, who the communications of, uh, of which Adam Schiff lied about with his office, DOJ should be investigating that. But instead, they're stonewalling. Instead, the CIA is stonewalling. Can you believe it? I mean, it's one thing to say Adam Schiff, to see Adam Schiff say, well, I'm not going to mention the name of the, my co-conspirator. What, he's not going to make a confession? I understand that. However corrupt it is, you at least you know where you stand with someone like Adam Schiff. But the CIA and the Justice Department are taking the same point of view as Adam Schiff is on the identity of the alleged whistleblower who smeared President Trump. So we're going to have to fight in court. We're going to have to fight in court against Attorney General Barr's Justice Department and Director Haspel's CIA to get access to information about a man who has been implicated not only in the issue of Ukraine policy for two White Houses, but the attempt to at take down of the President of the United States. I'm actually pretty calm given how outrageous it is, isn't it? So, well, I'll keep you updated on that. And um, maybe President Trump can start uh, tweeting out about this. Or, better yet, I think the president should just release these documents en masse. I mean, that, that's my solution to, uh, to uh, well, uh, this is the approach the president should generally take pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. He should ensure that those who have been wrongly targeted. Were suspiciously targeted, or targeted in a way that can't be, that raises concerns about the fair administration of justice, pardoned. Those behind the criminal abuse of authority and power to spy on him, those involved in these abuses of power to spy on him and others, prosecuted. And of course, the American people need to know what happened. Transparency. And of course, we're working hard on the transparency. And I would think without the transparency, the prosecutions are less likely. Because the less you know, the less there is in terms of pressure on the Justice Department to do the right thing. And I don't think the Justice Department is gonna be able to do the right thing under these circumstances. You can see that there is a, a seditious cabal within the Justice Department. They were targeting Trump. I call it a seditious conspiracy. The media picked up on that in the tweets that President Trump retweeted. Good. American people need to know. There's a seditious conspiracy within our government to destroy President Trump. And it was exposed. You could see it through the Mueller operation. You could see it through Comey. And you could see it through Congress. It's in your face. But we're not allowed to talk about it. Well, we're not going to be cowed. We're going to tell the truth about this attack on our constitutional republic. And we're going to do everything we can under the law. To expose it and end it. And the president's taken some steps and, and these are the additional steps I think he could take that could further restore confidence in the rule of law. And, and if I were him, I'd also a special counsel and not a special counsel within the Justice Department, one that reports directly to him or his advisors. I don't think the Justice Department is capable of this. I mean, they're asking FBI agents who probably probably want to do the right thing, but I'm sure a few of them are pretty nervous about being asked to investigate their leadership or their former leadership. They should maybe have outside investigators. Do you trust the Justice Department and the FBI to investigate themselves? Do you? Or would you prefer a third party do it? I'd prefer a third party to do it. A constitutional special counsel that reports to a constitutional officer the chief law enforcement officer of the country, he said that, the president said that, it drove him crazy. Or in the least, how about a compromise? Attorney General Barr should elevate Durham to special counsel or designate him as a special counsel. Not the unconstitutional special counsel that gets to do everything he, anything he wants without adequate supervision, but a special counsel that reports to him on a day-to-day basis and can't do anything without Barr's approval in terms of prosecutions or decision making. We've got to escalate the investigations into the worst corruption scandal in American history because as they're now going, I don't see much justice in the offing. I suspect that FBI agent who was responsible, I think his name is Klein smith who's allegedly responsible for changing that document from the CIA that uh, confirmed that uh, Carter Page was a good guy. He had literally changed it to say the opposite. I mean someone like him might get prosecuted. But the idea, idea for instance, that you've got James Comey and Andrew McCabe who were both referred after comprehensive investigations by the IG, or c- seemingly competent investigations by the IG. There's always more they can be doing about leaks and lies about those leaks. Easy peasy prosecutions. They didn't want to pursue them. Are we expected to believe they're going to bring more complicated prosecutions against senior level officials of the Justice Department and the FBI from the Obama administration and maybe even the Trump administration on their on their allocation of intelligence assets, they're they're, uh, designating certain people as subject to investigation, mainly President Trump and others. They're gonna be second guessing that. I'm not not saying there's not a case there. I think there's a strong case of a conspiracy to subvert the law. I mean, you've got the lies in the FISA warrants, so that's a pretty good place to start. But my point is they don't want to pursue the easy prosecutions and yet we're being told we should believe they're going to prosecute for exceedingly complex, on exceedingly complex issues. I don't believe it's going to happen. I'm seeing any evidence these investigations are taking place beyond, as I say, glorified IG report. Do you? That's what I love about Judicial Watch, we put the documents out, we read the same newspapers you do. We looked at the same information you do. I draw my conclusions from looking at the documents. You can look at the documents, draw your own conclusions. And to the degree I comment on things that are just generally out there, you can have your own conclusions. But do you think anything's gonna be done? Comment, comment in the, on, on the, uh, on, uh, here on YouTube or on Facebook or wherever you're watching this. Comment, let me know what you think. I, I look at the comments to see where people are. I can't read every single one. There's thousands of them. But my colleagues and I review the comments. Let us know what you think. But you know what? Even if the Justice Department doesn't do anything, we're going to do something. We've got the lawsuits going. That's why we have Judicial Watch, because we don't rely on the Justice Department to do anything. We want them to do the right thing. We'll be happy to encourage them and work with them on doing the right thing. Same goes for Congress, same goes for, you know, other agencies. But we do our own thing because we know we can trust ourselves. We depend on you to support our work, obviously, and uh, we don't, you know, even if we think the Justice Department's going to do the right thing, for instance, we'll be still asking more questions, just to be sure. So That's why it's important to have independent groups like Judicial Watch out there. What's outrageous is here in Washington, DC, we're so, it's so few and far between, we've got this precious right, this precious, precious right where we can go and petition our government, use the law to, to become, to, come, to go uh, in an equal way before the courts with massive government agencies. I mean, I complain about the stonewalling, but what's wonderful about our system is that they have to go to court with us and explain their stonewalling. That doesn't happen anywhere else in the world to any degree, like it does here. And we've got this precious right to hold our government to account, and it's so rarely utilized on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, it's available during election time to a certain extent, but in terms of just doing the basic oversight work, why is Judicial Watch alone in doing it, practically speaking? We're happy to do it, but boy, more people need to step up to the plate. Well, you know, there's sometimes you get documents, you just can't make it up. And so we've been suing for records of communications between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, and we've been suing for, when did we file the lawsuit? Uh, So we asked in December of 2017 for the records and we filed the uh, lawsuit in January. So now it's 2020 and we still don't have all the records. Why? Because the FBI has said that they've got 13,000 or so records left and they only can produce them at a rate or process them at a rate of 500 pages a month. Now, it doesn't mean we get 500 pages a month. It just means that they only will look and process 500 pages a month. So the page struck records, which in my view, uh, which as best I can tell, have yet to include any text messages. So that's a whole other group of documents the FBI is hiding from us. We won't get all these records processed and turned over to us until the year 2021, until next year. And then we start fighting over the records they haven't turned over to us. So in effect, they are protecting Page and Strzok from being held fully accountable for what they were doing because they're hiding the records, pretending they don't have the capacity to turn them over to us in a more timely way. And unfortunately, the court endorsed it. Courts too often are deferential to the agencies here. And uh, to a degree, it's seen sometimes as helping Trump rather than hurting him. Uh, I've been seeing a a pattern from the courts here in the District of Columbia that they will accelerate cases that might hurt Trump and uh, accelerate cases that might hurt Trump and slow cases down or agree or or be disinterested in cases that will potentially highlight the corruption against him. It's very concerning. But nevertheless, we've been getting the documents out on Page and Struck. Uh, And I've been going over them as we've been able to go through them. And, you know, we've got actually more documents we're still looking at that we haven't reviewed yet. Uh, But the latest batch is incredible because it confirms that the FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton was a sham. Now, I know you already know it was a sham, but to see it in black and white is incredible. And this is probably one of the most damning details about just how, how much of a joke the FBI investigation was. So the Page and struck email is dated August 26, 2016, and the email shows that Hillary Clinton's FBI 302, which is the summary document that the FBI curates of uh, witness and subject interviews, was not complete, meaning she said stuff that didn't make it into the 302 report. How do we know this? Thanks to Judicial Watch. I'll read directly. Do new records include an August 26, 2016 email from, Clinton, from CNN's Evan Perez to Michael Corton, the FBI's assistant director for public affairs, saying, Do you know if Gowdy, Trey Gowdy, is right that the FBI didn't ask Clinton about her intent? And is that weird? Corton forwards the email to Strzok saying, The question of the day, dot, dot, dot. Strzok replies to Corton, I know I was getting increasingly irritated at Gowdy last night. I don't know the basis for, for him saying that. We certainly asked her. She said she did it for convenience because she wanted one system of email. We also asked those close to her, Aberdeen and Mills specifically, who said the same thing. Well, uh, To be clear, Aberdeen said something different to us. She said she set up the email system because she didn't want anyone to see her emails. But, you know. Lord forbid the Justice Department investigate that uh, contradiction in testimony. So someone writes, but can we find references in the 302 which discuss it? Though not in the 302, at the end of the interview, she apologized for the work and effort it created for the FBI. She said words to the effect of, I'm sorry this has caused so much work and expenditure of resources by the FBI. I chose to use my own server at a convenience. It proved to be anything but. Struck forward at the exchange, the page saying, need to nip this in the bud. So is that incredible or what? Hillary Clinton, at the end of her interview, apologized to the FBI and admitted she, quote, did it for convenience, but it proved to be anything but which meant it wasn't for her convenience. And it didn't make it into the 302. So what we now have is confirmation that the FBI 302 summary report of Hillary Clinton's unrecorded interview is not accurate. It doesn't detail what she told them. This is a major revelation. She's apologizing to the FBI You know who else apologized to the FBI when he was found to have lied and barely got away from being prosecuted? Andrew McCabe. I guess that's the way you'd get out of going to jail or getting prosecuted. You apologize for the obstruction of justice. This is why we can't get these documents in a timely manner because it exposes the corruption behind the investigation of Hillary Clinton. Where's Director Ray on this? He should release all these documents tomorrow. We know why they don't want to release them all tomorrow. These are the documents we get. I told you they look at 500 records. Doesn't look like we got any of them. I think we got only 191 pages of records. So there are hundreds of documents we don't have just in this one batch. Other documents show that Strzok was somehow involved or knew about the intelligence briefings of President Trump, which were so scandalous. These were from when he was a candidate. Remember, they were all worried that Trump's campaign was being compromised by the Russians. He was colluding with the Russians, or people on his campaign were potentially colluding with the Russians. And rather than tell him that this is something he needed to be worried about. Like they just told Bernie Sanders according to reports, they hid it from him. And they used according to the IG, one of the briefings to essentially spy on his campaign operation. And Strzok says, and it's about the time this briefing took place, he starts talking about these briefings for the candidates Same realization of Sugar. Haven't even told you about Trump brief. And he's referencing these intelligence briefings. That was August 18th. And of course, the big intelligence brief of President Trump that was a spy operation was in August of 2016 as well. So it's contemporaneous. So Strzok was involved in this spy op on Trump. That's what it looks like. What else do we have here? Well, those are the big ones. I guess there's a bunch of emails here, but you know, these are the big ones. I tell you, I get frustrated about this Clinton thing because we are in court trying to get answers from Hillary Clinton. Trying to get answers from the Justice Department and the State Department and they're opposing our efforts. They sent six lawyers to court in December to oppose our efforts to get some more more questions answered. And uh, specifically testimony from Hillary Clinton about her email use. We just found out, for instance, she had text messages. She was using text messages. Something else we would need to question her on. And now they've been hiding from us documents that show that And by from us, I mean you, that Hillary Clinton felt the need to apologize to the FBI for wasting their resources? If she did nothing wrong, why should she apologize? And she admits she did it for convenience, but it turned out to be anything but? Well, so much for her argument that it was for convenience. There's more than enough information that has been uncovered, not only by the FBI in their pretend investigation, but since then by Judicial Watch, to warrant a renewed criminal investigation into the Hillary Clinton email scandal. And the fact the Justice Department hasn't done it is terrible, absolutely terrible. And not only have they not done it, but they're defending her email misconduct. It's not even they don't want to look into it anymore, or they think the case is closed. No, they're defending the misconduct, defending it let's talk about the president's tweets right so uh, a lot going on we've got more documents coming out the next week that you'll want to tune into um, to our update next week as well Uh, we'll see if the president issues pardons or uh, takes additional steps to rein in the corruption at the Justice Department and enforce the rule of law I hope he does Uh, but in the meantime uh, be sure to tune into Judicial Watch next week Uh, We'll be at CPAC. I'll be speaking at CPAC next week as well. And if you're at CPAC, stop by at our booth or at our, uh, uh, I think we'll have a a media table as well outside the main hall. And of course, I'll be speaking as well. So uh, if you see me there, be sure to say hello. In the meantime, thanks for your support. And I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.